what is your Bible? Some of you, if you have the ESV, it says one thing. Somebody not have an ESV? Like an NIV, New American Standard, New King James. What do you ask you, uh, Dorothy? Oh, yeah. What does is, what is your title of the section say? Okay, that's what mine does. Does anybody else have anything different than that? No, same thing? Everyone has pretty much the same? Um, if you have your Bible out. Um, some might say the parable of the soils, but I think it is probably better called the parable of the sower. So let's look at this. We're going to look at verses 1 through 25. So I need you to, to, to listen and just listen with this in mind. What things stand out? What, see, what phrases, words, statements seem prominent? What questions come to your mind? Okay. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in the sea. The crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables and teachings. He said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on the gro- rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. It immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And the sun rose it and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him, the twelve, asked him about the parables said to them, To you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but to those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now he gives the interpretation. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown and it hears. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, immediately they fall away. These others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. One more parable. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything in secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, 
pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. What stands out to you? Okay, good. Listen. What else? What, what else would you say that's similar to that? Listen.
And he says, to you, you've been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is as are in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand unless they should turn and be forgiven. Now that seems like, that's mysterious. What's going on there? That's a quotation. Do you know where that's a quotation from? Yeah, the Bible. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> and Isaiah, and in fact, Isaiah, you probably looked because your footnotes, Isaiah 6, remember that's the, if you're, if you're familiar with Isaiah, that's that prophetic vision, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That was the, when Isaiah called before and he says, I'm an unclean, I have an unclean tongue, and that the, I think it's the seraphim come and, and touch his tongue. And then he says, where shall I go? And who will send? God says, who will I send? And he says, here I, I am, send me. And he says, I'm going to send you to a stiff-necked people who won't listen to my word. I, I'm sending you to people that have hardened, hardened hearts, but you're going to be a testimony. Okay, now we're getting into this. What's been the context so far of... Okay, let's, let me start with this. Jesus, so far, we've already been in Mark. Our, now we're ahead into chapter 4. But have we seen a lot so far in Mark? Only in three chapters? Yes. We've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of stories. We've seen a lot of healings. We've saw, seen a lot of interaction with, the, with scribes and Pharisees. We've seen casting out demons. He was, he was baptized. Judas tempted. He's had conversations with his mother. Um, he called Levi. He's questioned about fasting, healing withered hands. Um, all, all these things are already happening. So what's been, let, let's see, how broad has he been, been sending the message of the gospel? Broad or not very broad? Very broad. Yeah, he's going all over the place now. Yeah, because remember how he even said, i got to leave this place because I have to go preach. i got to go teach to other places. He's going all over the place. Now, how would you describe his reception? I think you could describe it in many ways. But what's, let's, let's list the many ways he's being received, his message, his, his preaching, his, his work. Okay, that's one thing. Is, is he is gathering large crowds. How else? Let me see that even in this passage. Yeah. Yeah, so his scribes and Pharisees, they're rejecting and in fact attacking him even, trying to trick him, or in one case already, they've accused him of casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub. And then his parents, or at least his family, his mom and they seem to think he's insane, maybe, and they're going to try to pull him out, and they, they don't seem to be warm to what's going on. How, what else? Okay. How is, he, how is he being received by Satan? Mm -hmm. In the wilderness. How is he received by the demons? Yeah, they're afraid of him. They are responding. They, they respond and recognize him. Okay, so... And why, let's, let's dig into the crowd side of things. Why is he getting a big crowd? Okay, they want healing. What else? Do you think that's the only reason why he's getting a big crowd? 
see that they're just they're skeptical and they're just looking. Um, I think I do think that probably the biggest explanation for the large crowd is it's just he's a showman in their mind, or or he's either getting some off of it. You know, in fact, that's what Jesus is going to say in John chapter six. You come because you want the land. So he's he's multi. Remember how he he, he fed the multitudes, and you want this these things, and you want these signs. Um, what what was his main ministry then? What was the purpose of his ministry? Not not saying the cross right now. But what was he trying to do? What was his mission right now in this stage of his life? Teach? Okay, yes, but I'm thinking in a more specific way. What was he going out doing? Teaching. Yes, the kingdom message. It says right away, if you were to look at Mark chapter 1, um, after the John the Baptist stuff, it says at the very end of the chapter, verse 35, um, and rising early in the morning, well, let's see, no, I'm looking at a different passage. Okay, his beginning of his message, verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So he's preaching the gospel, he is authenticating the gospel by doing wonderful works and signs and miracles. Hey, God, God is really here. God is doing a work. Look at, he's authenticating it. Now, so here he tells a parable. He, he then sits with a group and says, hey, there's, you want to kind of know why? You might have wondered, I'm doing all these wonderful things that only God can do. And why are people still attacking me, rejecting me, and, not, and, and they're not fully there? Well, it wasn't much different in that, than in Isaiah. Because the, the times have changed, but hearts haven't. He then, is, Jesus then in verses 14 through 20, interprets the parable of the sowers with a small group. And he tells about what, they, what happened, and he says, he says, I want you to see, the key to understanding all this is you're with me, and I'm going to tell you the real stuff. going to say the interpretation of this parable is, well, it's about the call to follow me. Um, what were the mark? Remember last, I think it was last week. Seems like it's been a long time since last week. Week? It's been a long week. Um, so last week, Jesus is sitting there with a circle, and they say, hey, your mom and family wants to see you. And Jesus gets a mark of what his true disciple, his true Christian is. What was that mark? Good. Yes. Whatever does the will of God does the will of the Father. That is, he is my family. Now he's going to give another mark of what a true discipleship is happening. Remember, he's scattering. He is. He is. He is the sower scattering seeds of the gospel indiscriminately. They say they. Um, studies say that, that in the Middle East, I mean, the, the place where that they would sow seed, they would often till areas, but not all areas could be really tilled well. And they would sow it all over the place. And ancient documents say that maybe 
only one quarter of sowed ground would actually produce fruit. That seems kind of discouraging. Now, now the theme, though, of this parable is meant for us to go, okay, the wayside, let's look at that parable. Um, so he, let's look at the parable in the first paragraph. So the, there's, two, there's soil number one, which he sows it along the path. Okay, what happens along the path? Yep, the birds came and devoured them. So that's the first area. Second soil on rocky ground. What happens to the rocky ground? Yep. Well, it, they, it springs up, but there's, yeah, there's no depth. Sun scorches it, withers away. No roots. So, uh, the third is the thorny soil. What happens to the thorny soil? Yep. Yep. It chokes it. It starts to grow. Chokes it. No grain. No fruit. The last is the good soil. It produces it. Then, growing and increasing and yielding, 30, 60, and 100 fold. 100 fold would be like a bumper crop. It, it would be like amazing. And in fact, this parable actually says, okay, so he planted, he sent seed everywhere, and you're like, oh, it didn't go good, and it's not happening here, it's not happening. And then they, but it ends with fruit, harvest. This is amazing, not just 30, some 60, 100 fold. You wouldn't have thought that if the story starts. That's, that's, that's the feel of the story. You wouldn't have expected that as it starts. It starts out slow, it starts out frustrating. And oh, wow, this is happening. Jesus saying, Jesus is referring this, and he is the one that sows seed. And then he has this part all, and he's saying, I want you to start to understand why I do parables. And, and in some ways, let's see if I can explain this well, because I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. I read this from a commentator. Okay, a stained glass window, it's, that, that's not probably a great, yeah, I guess that would be. So it's not, it's not a great example, because that's not for the exterior wall, and it's, that's not really the sun. But I guess, so, but if we were outside and we saw a stained glass window, from the outside, it looks kind of drab, right? Because there's, unless it's at night, I guess, that would be different. And then, because inside it's shining bright, and then it's the opposite. But say if you're, it's Sunday morning, it's sunny out, the stained glass windows don't look so great. On the outside, you come in, and you see that light pouring through, and it's all the way different. Parables were meant to be that way. On the outside, it's cloudy, it's dra- it's dark, it's, you, you don't have a foot. But if you're in the inside, you you have, there's, there's insight that's imparted, there's light. And the inside means being with Jesus. Jesus is always the key to these parables. Not just, oh, I need to figure where Jesus is in the story, but the, our proximity to Jesus. They needed Jesus to be right there with them to help them perceive these things. Because he is the one now coming to give them the secrets of the kingdom. It's going to go broader than that. And he's going to say there's insiders and there's outsiders. And that insider status and outsider status, it has some flexibility. Meaning somebody that's on the outside may make their way into this by by God's grace. And some that were in the inside, like Judas, will be on the outside. But those that are on the outside were like the Syrian Syrophoenician woman. She comes in and makes it in and is now in Christ in these things. And so he's saying there's an explanation 
And he's going to get into it and he's going to say there's also a condition of the human heart that makes it really a problem why we're not seeing in some of our churches. There's a hardness to it. Okay, then he goes in and he gives um, the, he gives the interpretation. So let's look at that. Um, these are the sheep. These are the ones along the path. So the sower sows the word, and the ones along the path where the word is sown, because the sower sows the word, and by the way, when you say the word, this doesn't mean, it means the word, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's referring to that. That word, that word, word means really the message, in this context, is the message of the gospel of the kingdom. It's, it's sown along the path, and Satan, when they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, I'm sure that your hearers at that time could probably go, I can relate. I saw that happen. He was going there, and boom, it just, it just they laughed at it. They, they had some bad influence right there. They listened to those scribes, and they went, have you seen that at play in the life of people? Where the word is taught and spoken and maybe an unbeliever hears it and it just goes, Satan just immediately takes it. They don't even, there's nothing. And so, um, Satan in 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. He's been light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, the second is the rocky ground. So the seed goes on the rocky ground, and remember that's the ground that it actually starts to grow up, but then it doesn't have any roots, so it scorches it. What, ha- what, what does he say that is? Joy, even they're enthusiastic. Yeah, it's like it just it wasn't rooted in them deeply. Yeah, yeah, right. So he's saying that there's some. that Mark is right, I think Jesus is telling this parable and he, he, there's a foreshadowing I think of the future in the discipleship even that's going to take place in the church in the early church This Mark is writing this now for the early church and they are meant to readily apply this, that as the gospel is spreading to Rome and all these areas there, there's persecution and there are people that receive the gospel and they, they, they made these professions of faith but in the midst of suffering they just, they give it up. It, it gets too hard. They fall away. Hebrews talks about that. Book of Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. He did. I think in Timothy and maybe in other places, yeah. Yeah. Um, the third is the thorny soil. 
That the care, yeah, it's a good summary. The cares, the rich, deceitfulness of riches, desires of other things, cares of the world, all of these things, they pull the heart and they prove unfruitful. But what is the, let's stop here, what is the good soil? Or the good soil? What's, what is the good soil? Yep, okay, it says three things. They, if they hear, what's the second one? Receive, and what's the third? And bear fruit. A mar- mark to true disciples is they hear the word, they receive it, they accept it, they, they, they go, I'm going after it. And they, that, that would be marked in baptism, and then being part of the church, but then they bear fruit. Now, we, we don't have the advantage of our Greek New Testament in front of us. Does anybody have their Greek New Testament in front of us? And, I, and most of us aren't really very fluent at, or at all in Koine Greek or Ancient Greek. Um, but if we could, t- take a look at, okay, look at verse 15. It says, when they hear, and look at verse 16, when they hear, in verse 18, they um, and others sown those who hear the word, but cares of the world. Those three uses of hear, those three uses are in the Greek an aorist term, aorist form, aorist past, which has to do with punctilious. It has to do with more of a they heard it, but you could in this case. Especially given the context, it could be this idea of in one ear and out the other. The the last one, though, the the Greek form is a present tense. They're hearing the word. So the good soil is ones who were hearing the word, kept hearing the word, kept listening to the word, didn't stop doing that. And because the, the word, it was a present active thing. It wasn't just this punctiliar, once and done kind of thing. I heard that. I'd say, it's, I'm hearing the word. It's, it's, a, it's bearing fruit in my life, and I'm accepting it, and it's bringing forth fruit. I like that. I think that there's a difference where there's a difference. And if we look at this whole section, what did we say was common about the whole section? What command or what challenge to us? What's the theme? Yes, listen, hear. Or if you have ears to hear, let him hear. And he's going to say, and the problem is some have ears but do not hear. Um, so here's here's what I want to bring out is every one of us needs to take care of how we listen to God's word. I think that's a real theme in this whole passage. We need to take care of how we listen to God's word. I I wrote down. Um, several reasons why we need to take care. Um, but 
at your notes, but without looking at the notes first, why, from, from listening to this parable, why do we need to take care, take care how we feel? I mean, Jesus says it, listen, or let those who have ears, let them hear. looking at that? That's pretty good. That's, but that's the comment. Because he commanded us to. He commands us in verse 3. Listen. Verse 9, ears hear, let them hear. In chapter, in verse 12, he says, hear and understand. And he says in verse 14, 16, 18, and 20, he's referring to them listening, and he's saying they needed to hear. That is the text. So that should be enough, right? <laughs> but Jesus, Jesus doesn't just give us commands. God doesn't just give us commands. He gives us other. He gives us even reasons why he tells us to do it. Second is, uh, what's, what, okay, what's another reason from this parable that the rationale of why we need to take care? Now, there, there's the emphasis, like, you know, okay, kids, we're, we're going to go in there and we've got to really listen carefully because the instructions are going to matter. Or let's do it this way. Um, anybody? I don't know if we have a lot of Tolkien readers here. Maybe you watch, maybe you watch the movies. Did anyone see The Hobbit? Okay, in The Hobbit, this little hobbit, the hobbits are known for loving riddles. Help me, help me, Clayton, if I totally slaughtered it. Um, but in, in The Hobbit, he's stuck, he's in this cave, and he's, 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 he's stranded from, and there's, who turns out to be Gollum. And Gollum is, get, is threatening, to, and he's going to let him out and lead him out of the cave, but he's got to answer these riddles, something like that. So let's just say your life depended on a riddle. You're going to answer that riddle. You don't want to miss any words. You're going to be extra careful to listen to that riddle, right? You, you, so take care how you listen. Um, I wrote, I wrote some reasons. Remember, the second reason I wrote was, we should take care to listen because the point of giving parables is to distinguish the heart of the listener. Jesus is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell parables and they're going to be cloudy in some ways. They're going to be, in fact, they're going to irritate some people. They're going to go, this is so annoying. This is so, this is, this isn't even clear. And it's going to distinguish those that really care but those that really care are going to go, it's all bogus. He's so wicked. And I want to hear you. And, and it was distinguishing between the real and, and the non-real. Um, and he's saying, so take care. This is really, really important. He's dividing the hearers with parables. Those with soft hearts will listen and careful, and they'll work out the meaning. However, parables will do just the opposite to the hard-hearted. And I, I think that's exactly what he's saying in Isaiah. That you're going you're gonna to go and you're going to speak and I'm gonna be, you're going to be a dividing one. You're going to preach and you're going to preach about God and they're gonna, some are going to, the remnant will follow you and there's going to be many that are going to just turn away and you're going to be a testimony of their hardness. Those who resist will find parables a stumbling block. Dig no further there. Understand. 
think of John chapter 6. No, excuse me, I think it was it was in John. Jesus said a pretty mysterious thing. Unless you eat my body, unless you drink my blood. How did the hearers that were following him respond to that? Huh? It's with the OE. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, what? Some of them were like really turned off and they kind of turned away. And you go, Jesus should have been a lot more sensitive. He should have been, and, and Jesus said, I'm doing exactly what I'm, I know what I'm doing. And I, I'm very, and, and he is, there are, there are some that, that were just following him for food. And so he's going to, he's going to prune them and say, hey, are you real? So he's going to even tell them, he's going to say, count the cost before you follow me. He doesn't go around and say, hey, do you want your best life now? Do you want peace with God? That wasn't primarily his message. He didn't say, you're going to take up your cross and follow me, but you will find life eternal. No person that is sacrificed, will find, he'll also find that he has found something so much greater. Um, and as they're going to preach the gospel in the New Testament church, they're, they're knowing that they're surrendering allegiance to all else and giving it to Christ and they might they might be killed and persecuted for their faith. The third thing that I wrote is that we should take hold of listening because the parable of the soils focuses our attention on the necessity of right listening and it is there's a kind of listening that deceives and bears fruit and there's a kind that just it never it didn't go deep and it it was shallow and or it was immediately crushed. It was, it, you could say, lazy. It was not good at, at listening. Um, the, the Bible, the Old Testament had a lot to say about listening. Do you, can you think of some instances?
we should take care to listen because how you listen determines whether you are given more. So it doesn't seem to our fairness mentality, but Jesus says those that are good have, if they're good stewards with it, they're going to get more. And those that don't and just ignore it will get less. So the more you listen, the more you'll gain. He says that at the end, that's why I included that last, para- that last paragraph, verses 21 through 25. He gives something that some people, a lot of interpreters have a hard time. Okay, what exactly is he saying? He says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? And we say, no, actually a lamp is meant to be on a stand so they can see well. Okay, so you'd want the word to be clear and out front, right? Yes, absolutely. You want? Why would you hide it under... How, why would you hide it under a bed in parables? Ah, but let's explain this. Things are hidden sometimes, like parables, but in order to be made manifest. Uh, nor is anything secret except to come to light. It's going to come to light. Don't worry, that this light's going to shine, so keep watching. But then he again says, if anyone has ears, ears to hear, let him hear. That's 23. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. And then here it is. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. If, if, you, if you take the little you got and you, you, you're good with listening, you're going to get more. More will be added to you. So to the one who has, more will be given. To the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's saying, how you listen, your heart attitude, how you receive it, your diligence in it. And I, I wrote down several things about how we should listen to it. They, they come kind of loosely from this text. I wrote down I wrote down how we're to take care. So will you help me before I give you my answers? How how from this passage, how are we to listen? What would be some maybe adjectives we would define? We're to listen this way. Okay, good. Carefully. That's a good one, yeah. We're to listen carefully. What does it mean to be careful how we listen? Yes, we're careful not to be distracted by other things. What are some things that can distract us from listening to God's Word? Listening rightly means embracing the one you are listening to. 
And I don't mean the preacher primarily, but coming to him for help. And could we relationally come to him and say, oh God, open my eyes. I, I need you to help me. That, that, isn't that what the disciples did? Help me understand these parables. Open my eyes. Well, we do that. God, open my eyes to your word. I want, I want to be a hearer. I want to, I want to be a receiver. And to, to, so how else do we listen in this passage? What are other ways you can describe it? Yeah, earnestly. What, what, what's another way for earnest? Like, yeah, wholeheartedly. Just, I've got to have it. And what was the other word? Earnestly and sincerely. There's other there's ways you can mean by sincerely. You could say, because I really want to obey. I'm sincere about it. I really want to know. What else? Are there other adjectives to write down for us to look at? I wrote diligently, which has already kind of been brought up. Um, the nature of parables take work. You gotta be diligent to dig it out. Um, I like what John Piper once said: "If you rake, you'll get leaves; but if you dig, you might get gold." And I think that that has to do with our studying of God's word, listening deeply, um, listen to the word urgently. I mean, this is life stuff. This is this is 